Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. I'm Pastor TJ, I'm the lead guy here. Um, I'm excited about Christmas. Christmas gives us a window into uh, not just God's heart, but Christmas, I think, helps to activate um, some of the things that God wants to do in us. Forgive me this morning if my words get a little jumbled and, and I kind of get tongue-tied. I broke a tooth a couple days ago. And my, my, have you ever noticed when you break a tooth, the place you don't want your tongue to be goes right to that broken place the whole time. So every once in a while, my tongue goes, ink, and I go, ah, and it, just, it hurts. So tomorrow I get a root canal, it's gonna be great. In the meantime, you gotta suffer with me. Um, it's bad. Um, I think a lot of us can relate to Joseph. When you look at the Christmas story, everybody played a remarkable role. Mary, the wise men, you know, the angels come and speaking to the shepherds. And then you look at one of the main characters, Joseph. Why did God pick Joseph? What did he have? What did he possess that God's like, he's my guy? You know, sometimes I think we can relate to Joseph because, uh, you know, we've got similar stories. We hear stuff like God's got a plan for your life. And we're okay with that. You know, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as you don't make me do something that's just nuts, right? You know, we're, you know God, I'll do everything. Please don't send me, Lord, to, you know, Uzbekistan. I don't want to go to Uzbekistan. But Lord, if you need this little piece of me, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. You know, I just want to do something calm, right? I mean, we love God and we're totally committed to him until sometimes he asks us to do something that's a little out of our comfort zone. Have you ever had God put you out of your comfort zone? How do we usually react when that happens, right? You know, God's like, I got a great call for your life. I got this beautiful thing. You're like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Anything you need, Lord. Okay, I need you to do this. You go, what? No, Lord, maybe you have the wrong person. You know, have you ever thought that maybe God picked the wrong guy? Maybe like his mail, you know how you get some other people's mail sometime every once in a while? Lord, you sent the wrong mail to the wrong house, right? And we think that God messed up. By the way, God does not make junk and he doesn't make mistakes. If he called you to do something, he's given you everything you need to pull it off. He has. That's just how he works. Sometimes we think he gets mixed up. I told this story months ago, but it's just such a good story to tell it again. Um, I love going to the stores and doing stuff. We go to the, the hardware store here in town. I go there often, and there's nothing better than going to one of those places and getting one of their little, you know, you're, you're part of their little gift things. You give them your phone number, and you're registered. And every once in a while, you get the benefits of being part of their club, whatever that is. I love that. I don't know if I've ever gotten a practical benefit from the Hokessin Hardware Place, but, but I'm part of their club and it just makes me smile. <laughs> so the only thing that makes you smile more than just being part of their club is being known by somebody in there. So I'm getting there and I'm getting ready to check out and the, the kid looks at me and he goes, he goes, he goes, and they usually ask you for your name, your phone number. He goes, he goes, don't worry, I got it. I know you, man. I go, this is great. He knows me. I'm here so much. I'm thinking that's probably a bad thing, but he knows me. That's great. So he types in some stuff and he starts checking my stuff out and he goes, he goes, so Bill, how are you doing? I'm not, I'm not, I didn't say anything. I'm not Bill. And I went to open my mouth to say something. And he goes, how are the wife and kids and stuff? And at that moment, I had my moment of decision. I could correct the kid behind the counter and tell him, well, I'm not Bill. My name's TJ. Or I could just play along because I didn't want to embarrass him. I didn't want to embarrass me. So I just looked at him. I said, they're good. Everybody's good. So the kids are great. Yeah, yeah. How are the girls? Oh, they're great. We don't have girls. I have a girl. That's what I have, a girl. He knew everything about Bill. Apparently he knew everything about Bill except what he looked like, because I'm obviously not Bill. 
So I'm playing along and I'm thinking, this isn't that big of a deal. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to get my, my nuts and my bolts and I'm going to get out of here. And then it got real. You ever had things where they, get, they go to the next phase? He goes, I'm looking online. He goes, you've you know, bought so much. He goes, you have a $10 uh, gift, you know, gift thing off. Would you like me to apply that to your thing now? Bill. I can't take the dude's money. That would be wrong, right? So I said, listen, man. I said, um, no, I'm not going to take it. By the way, I said, I'm, I'm not Bill. And he goes, yes, you are. <laughs> no, I'm not Bill. I said, my name's TJ. And, and he was like, no, no, but, but you're, I said, no, no, my name's TJ. I think you confused me with somebody else. And then from that moment on, the conversation got a little cold. And somehow it became my fault that he thought I was somebody else. Now, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I probably should have owned it right away, but have you ever been in that situation? You didn't know what to do? You know, and I, at that point, I thought, no, I'm just, I should just take Bill's discount. Should just take that $10 and get out of Dodge, right? It's your mistake, not mine. Every once in a while, we think God makes mistakes like that with us. Lord, I'm not strong enough. Lord, I'm not smart enough. You know, Lord, I, I don't have the skills that you need. Let me just settle your heart right now. If God calls you to do something, Whatever he calls you to do, you don't have enough in you to do it. You aren't smart enough. You aren't powerful enough. You aren't equipped enough. God will never ask you to do anything alone apart from him, ever. He loves us when we're dependent on him. He doesn't pick us because we're the best of the best. He picks us and he chooses us and he asks us to be this, dependent on him, connected to him. Sometimes we forget that God created all of us to do something, but not to do something apart from him. That's part of the message of Christmas. Apart from God, we are limited in our impact on our world. But Jesus came and he changed all that. Emmanuel, God with us, he came. And when he came, he infused us with who he is. That means that we can operate here under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Limitless. What can't you do if God is connected to you? What can't you do if God's on your side, right? So Christmas isn't just about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago showing up on the scene. It's also what he continues to do through you and through I and how we impact the world today. Do you know that wherever you go, the Holy Spirit comes with you? Wherever you step, the kingdom steps with you. When you speak, the kingdom speaks. Do you know that? Do you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? Do you live your life like that? I used to always get cracked up when I was a youth pastor like 4,000 years ago. I couldn't be a youth pastor today. I would die. People would get upset about, and again, and hear me on this. Please don't get mad at me when I say this. People would get upset when they say, well, we don't pray. We took God out of schools when we prayed. God has never left our schools. Do you know why? God lives in us. If you've got kids that are filled with the Holy Spirit and they love God with all their heart, Jesus never left the building. He's there with us. How many of you work in a job that's crummy? My staff better not put their hands up. Put your, put that down. Yeah, well, it's just terrible. Like the devil runs that place. Now, you know, where you're at, that's a holy place. God will, he'll, he'll take care of all those things. Where you go, the kingdom goes. So as we look at Christmas, we don't just look about, you know, we, we just don't look at the story or think about what Jesus did in the past. We look and see how it affects us today. So that's why we've been looking at this this entire month. Last week, we started everything with hope. We saw how God can restore hope even when things seem to be lost, when hope seems to be lost, when things seem to be dark. And we focused on two words, trust, everybody say trust, trust. and wait, say wait. wait. Two words that we hate. 
You know, Lord, I'm going to trust you with everything. Lord, teach me to wait. Right? But we know that you need that in order to have sustained hope. This week, we take another step and we look at another aspect of what Jesus brings to us through Christmas. We look at peace. And when Jesus came to the earth, one of the greatest things that he brought with him is peace. His peace was so amazing that the angels had to announce it. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Luke chapter 2 real quick. We're not going to live here. This isn't our main passage, but this will set some things up. <clears throat> Great passage in the Christmas story. We even have hymns and songs about this. Luke 2 verses 8 says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Verse 9. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Hello, of course they were terrified. What would you do? What would happen to you if you're taking your trash out on a Sunday night, and all of a sudden the heavens lit up and there were angels singing to you? What would you do? Would you be terrified? Some of you jump in that can, right? If you're not terrified, I'm impressed. Let's just keep going, right? says, uh, they were terrified, verse 10, but, but uh, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethle uh, today in Bethlehem, the city of David, verse 12, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snuggly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. How is that for an announcement of peace? God says, man, we're just, there's going to be peace on earth. Now, it's kind of odd, huh? 2,000 years ago, Jesus said there'd be peace on earth, and he gave us this amazing promise of peace. But if you look around right now at your world, would you describe our planet as peaceful? I mean, think of all the things that have been going on. Would you describe us as humans, as being peaceful. I mean, come on, let's be real. We don't have peace in our world. Most of us don't even have peace in our homes. You don't even have to open a door. How many of you got into a little altercation before you even came to church today? You know, with your children. Don't push each other. Don't say, this is great. <laughs> like, like husbands and wives are looking at each other's elbows going here. You know, parents are looking going, you rotten kid, it was you. Yeah. Have you ever gone through this drill? You get ready for church, you're getting ready. And you know, some of you, you've got to be at church at like, you know, nine o'clock. So you leave at 9.05, hoping to be there at nine. Unless you have a DeLorean with a flux capacitor, you're not going to make it. I'm just telling you right now. It's not going to happen. And because you have these time constraints, you get a little, a little, little touchy with each other. And sometimes your voices get, escalate a little bit and you get mean and you say things you don't like to say and, and you're getting nasty and you're driving here and, and you're huffy and you're puffy and as soon as you hit that church parking lot, you look at each other, you go, now listen, not a word to anybody. We're here for Jesus today. And if you tell somebody that I yelled at you, you're going to meet him today, right? Have you ever done that with your children? Tell him I said hi, stuff like that, right? How can we proclaim peace if we can't even experience it sometimes in our own families? You don't have to go very far on our planet to see a lack of peace, even in this season that promotes all of the things that Jesus loves, hope, peace, joy. We struggle to find it. I remember a couple years ago, I was uh, at Thanksgiving with my brother, and we're in Chicago. He lives in a suburb of Chicago, a lot of people in Chicago. And we're driving around, it's, it's after Thanksgiving, he goes, man, he goes, we got to go get something real quick, because there's a pre-Black Friday sale. 
it's Thursday night after thing. I said, well, what, what do you need? He goes, I need a vacuum. I said, you want to go out on Black Friday, a pre-Black Friday, it's going to be nuts to get a vacuum. He goes, yeah, he goes, this will be great. This is my brother. You can see he's the, the not good looking one, right? So he's, I, said, I said, Tim, that's fine. I don't like to go Black Friday shopping. The last time I went Black Friday shopping with my wife, I saw two ladies getting a fist fight over a digital camera. As entertaining as that was, I decided I'm not going out there again. But lo and behold, it's Thursday, late after Thanksgiving, and he's got to go find a vacuum. So, of course, where do you go to look for a vacuum on a Black Friday sale? Walmart. So we go to Walmart on the outside of Chicago. As we pull up to the Walmart, there are four squad cars in front of the Walmart. I look at my brother and said, are you sure you want to do this? He said, we're big guys. Trust me, nothing's going to happen to us. I said, here we go. We get out of the car, walk into the Walmart. As we walk through the door, the greeter is just shaking his head. And you know the greeter is shaking his head on the side as two cops are dragging somebody out of the Walmart that had already gotten to an altercation. I look at my brother and said, this is your idea. If we don't make it, it's on you, baby. There must be 400,000 people there celebrating the Christmas joy. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, right? We make our way to the vacuums. There's nothing on the shelves. You know, it's nothing. So my brother says, well, let's just find somebody and ask him if we can find a vacuum. I said, you want to find an associate at Walmart on a Black Friday sale in Chicago you think you're going to find somebody? He says, sure. So he goes off and I'm just standing there watching everything just unsue. You know, ensue. watching all the, all the people losing their minds, people screaming at each other. There's squad cars there. There's four. They're there for a reason. They just keep dragging people out. Finally, my brother finds an associate and he says, sir, he says, do you have vacuums? And the guy looks at him, shakes his head. He goes, sir, do you have vacuums? And he looks at him, shakes his head, goes, do you have vacuums? And the guy goes, no, speak English. He goes, but you work at Walmart. He goes, yes. And he walks away. He said, Tim, it's time to go. We're leaving now. We're leaving. Uh, as we were walking out, um, we had a guy that ran past us with a handful of stuff, and a policeman chased him right out. Fa la 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 la. On to celebrate gratitude, holidays of cheer and love. Where did we miss it? How did we veer? More importantly, again, if you veered that bad, even in the chaos and the stress, can you get it back? Can we make the holidays something that we celebrate, not just endure? Right? When's the last time you celebrated the holidays? When's the last time you were able to really embrace the promise of peace that God gave us? You may be here today and peace for you may seem like it's a million miles away. I can promise you this. Peace is closer than, than you think. Why? Because peace is connected to the Savior. So how do you find it again? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to be in Isaiah 26, verse 3. If you have the, uh, our app, you can get all my notes. If you've got the U-version of the Bible, you get all my notes. Um, it's a great passage. And through this, God gives us a blueprint on how you and I can live in peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. You will keep the peace, a perfect peace, for all those who trust in you, for those who dedicate their hearts and their minds to you. Two little things that God gives us in order for us to stay in peace. This is Isaiah 26, 3, same passage, but in the amplified version. I like how it lays it out. It says this, you will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because he trusts and he takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. I like how it just flowers it out. Now, this is a beautiful passage with a beautiful outcome. 
This passage shows us something very clearly. If we trust God and we dedicate our hearts and our minds to him, the natural byproduct of that is peace. It is. If you're struggling to find peace today, it may be because your mind and your heart has kind of drifted from focusing on God. Now, this is something that's nuts. Do you know that you can sit in church services week after week after week after week and have your mind and your heart drift? Just because you come to this building, that doesn't automatically mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory in your life. It's how you approach God, how you interact with God, that gives him the ability to be active and fruitful in your life. You can even come, read your Bible every day, memorize scripture, and have your mind far from him. It's the posture of your heart that's a big deal. So if you're struggling to find peace today, it just might mean that your focus is off. It's not crazy for us to have our minds drift. You know, we always, we always have our minds drift. Have you ever tried to pray in the morning? You try to have these new prayer habits. You're like, Lord, I'm going to pray one hour a day. You know, some of you are adventurous. You go from no praying at all. I'm going to pray four hours a day. <laughs> Don't do that. Because you know what you do? You set yourself up for failure. Now, I'm going to pray, Lord, an hour a day. And you get up in the morning, you do your stuff, you get your coffee, you open your word, you're going to start with meditating. I'm going to meditate on you. I'm going to meditate. You've never seen meditation like this. <laughs> and you shut your eyes, and you meditate, and you meditate, and you meditate, and I like ice cream, and then you drift. And you look at the clock, and 15 seconds has gone by. Has anybody had that experience? You know, we're just, we, you know our minds and our hearts, sometimes they drift. That's why we constantly come back to God and we allow him to refocus us. We give him the opportunity to continue to focus our heart, our affections, our mind, our acumen. In fact, God put it this way. In order to experience lasting peace, he needs to be the focus of our heart and our mind, our affections and our acumen. Now, when you look at that word dedicate, that's an interesting word in the Greek. The word dedicate is psalmic, which actually means this, to support completely, to sustain. That means that when you focus on God, when you dedicate your heart to him, that means that your, your heart is sustained by him. When you dedicate your mind to him, that means that, that your thoughts are not just supported by him, part of it's supported, but they're sustained by him. That means that like breathing, you're that focused on who he is. We get that word again. That's that word that's used in this passage. It's also used in Psalm 54, 4. It says this, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. So if you look at Isaiah 26, 3, through that definition of understanding what psalmic is, it reads more like this. It says, you'll keep the perfect peace of the peace, a perfect peace for all those who trust in you, for those whose hearts and minds are sustained by you. So here's the million-dollar question. Is your heart and your mind sustained completely by God? Are your affections sustained by God? Is he the origin of your affections? Is your mind sustained by God? Is the orientation of your life built around the precepts of who God is? So what does it look like for us to live our life where our heart and our minds are sustained by him. Let's look at it real quick. Let's start with affections. What are your affections? Well, your affections are more than your emotions. They're more than your feelings. Your affections are the things inside of you that drive your passions, that make you who you are. They're the bullseyes for your thoughts and for your feelings. 
Your affections, that's the target that God gave you that pushes you towards something. That's that intangible thing. I remember when I was coaching football, we would have these kids that had all the specs. 6'3", 240 pounds, run like a deer. And they, they'd had all the specs, all the physical attributes they need, but they'd lack one thing. We'd call it heart. They look great getting off the bus. But when you suit them up, they just they don't have the heart. Then we'd have these little scrappy kids. You know, five foot eight, you know, 163 pounds. And they, there's nothing physical. You're like, they just don't have the attributes. They got this thing. They got this, this heart, this thing that drives them. And man, I was always look for these heart kids. They're great. You see, that's what, that's what that affection is. It's that spark, that thing that's inside of you that becomes a rudder for your entire life. Do you know that God built you with passion and affections? He did. We all have those affections, those things that drive us, those things that catch our eye. Some of those things are quite unique. They're quite different. I remember uh, years ago, you know, it's funny to me. We have three children, and you raise them in the same environment, and they all turn out completely different. I blame, I blame Robin. Because <laughs> I believe I'm, I'm perfectly delightful. But that's just me. I remember one day we were, uh, we were up there helping the kids clean their room. I think Tori was at school or something like that. And I, I, we were up in there doing some stuff. And, uh, you know, we were getting there. And I was going to help to make her bed. And I remember going up there and pulling the covers out. And all of a sudden, it, it was heavy. It was like there's something in this bed that should not be in this bed. She wasn't there, so I knew it wasn't her. Um, this is weird. So I started pulling stuff back. And lo and behold, in her bed were rocks. Just rocks. Yeah. This is Tori as a little girl. Isn't this great? Can you look at that picture? Can you just, does that not just speak trouble? Yeah. Look at those eyeballs. Don't mess with me. I love, that's like one of my favorite pictures ever. So Tori had this, 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 this gift, this desire to collect rocks. Do we have any rock collectors in the building? See, I knew we did. I knew we did. You just walked by and you're like, that's a pretty rock. And we didn't know. We knew that she liked rocks, but we didn't know that it had gone to, let's bring them into the room. Let's put them in a box. Let's put them all around us because rocks are so cool. Right? In fact, we still have a rock at the house that she found that's in the shape of a heart. We've kept it. That was her thing. She loved little rocks, so we had to sit down and say, sweetheart, we have to put limits on your rock collecting. You can't, they can't be in the bed with you. You know, we, we just have to have some limits. You know, you can name them, you can color them, do whatever you want, but there needs to be limits, right? All of us have our little affections, our things that, 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 that we love, that we were pushed toward, those passions. And there's nothing wrong with those things as long as they stay subservient to Christ. As long as those affections don't overseed, or excuse me, uh, uh, go, go over who Christ is, as long as they're not the prime thing in your life. Do you know anybody that has affections that are out of control? I know people in this room that are terrified to lift their hands in worship, but will paint their bodies green and silver when the eagles play. I, I used to, I'm a pastor, I'm not that kind of guy, right? Fly, eagles! Fly, eagles, fly, right? Where are your affections, right? Your affections are fine. God gave you those things, but they have to be, again, in alignment with the heart of God. They have to be or they become something, you know, we get into trouble when they become greater than God in your life. When our affections are centered and rooted in Christ, they're supported 
by his power. And then you reap the benefits of all the things that God does through them. This is why it's important for us to have God as our top priority when it comes to our affections. If he's the center, you get the benefits of all the other things that flow into your life. One of the greatest benefits that we have as believers is peace. As believers, we should operate, walk, and share peace. We should be the most peaceful people on the planet. This is what the Bible says about your affections. Matthew 6.33 says this, But first and foremost, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God, and all of these things will be given to you as also. You put God first, he'll take care of all the other things in your life. If you make him the priority, he'll make sure that the rest of your life is prioritized perfectly, where you'll live happy, peaceful, and fulfilled. Proverbs 4.23 says this, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Your affections are a big deal to God. So how can you tell what your affections are and if they're in alignment with God's heart and subject to the things of the kingdom? How can you tell? Very simple. You find the three things you look at. You find your time, Where do you spend your time? What do you do with your talent? What do you do with your treasure? Those three things are a compass to tell you where your affections are. They are. Your time, your talent, your treasure. Your time, your talent, your treasure. We're going to take a pause real quick. Just shut your eyes for a second. Talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. And ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, will you show me are the affections of my heart in alignment with yours? Or do I have some things that are out of whack? And listen to what the Spirit tells you. Now, this is the beautiful thing about God. You know, if you're there and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and he's like, yeah, you got you to work on your time. You don't invest your time with me at all. You know, what does that mean practically for us? Well, some of you got to serve. Share your life with people. Don't be isolated. Don't let it be all about you. If your life is all about you, that's a dull, terrible life. Don't live like that. Live for others. Some of you, your talents, God's given you talents and abilities. And again, you offer your talents back to God on your terms. You don't do that. These are those who put the gifts in your body. God did. They're not your gifts. We're stewards. That's all that we are. Treasure. Where do you invest your finances? Are there kingdom aspects to your finances? You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and not invest your treasure into the kingdom. I don't know what to tell you. You can't do all that stuff. Well, I don't understand. Ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit. Do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. You figure those things out. God then will start to embody your affections. And then the things of the kingdom aren't things that you endure. They're things that you can't wait to do. You know, this is going to be, this is going to sound crazy. And you may think I'm nuts. I cannot wait to get here on Sundays to be with you. Not to speak, not to do, just to be with you. Because one of the affections of my heart is to hang out with God's people. Get coffee, get you a cookie. I got to chew on this side because I got a bad tooth over here. But you know what? Don't, don't, don't cry for me. I figured it out. I got it done. The cookie went down fine. 
So God, again, needs to have our affections. He needs to sustain your affections. Second, let's look at then our mind, our acumen. When you talk about your acumen, your mind, what are we looking at? We're looking at how you reason. We're looking at the decisions you make. We're looking at your practical habits, your daily habits, the things that make you you. So what does it mean that God sustains our mind or our acumen? That means that we make decisions God's way. We read the word, and it's not just things that go in our ears and out the other side, but we orient our lives around God's direction for our lives. We practice what we preach, what the Bible says we do. When you make those conscious decisions to live God's way, you reap the practical benefits of that. One of those is peace. Something happens in our life, beloved, when you decide to live your life Jesus' way. Know this, following Christ is a decision. It's not something that just falls out of the sky. It's a decision. We consciously make that decision. And we got to make sure that our faith is built on conviction, not convenience. Jesus can't be something that we do. He has to be the center. Our world has to revolve around him. He's not just something that we do. He can't be something that we just take or leave. He's the one that is the rudder for all of us. When you decide to follow God and you make him the primary decision of your life, that decision should affect all the other decisions of your life. Primo Deus, God first. Now, some of you struggle in your faith. You struggle to find peace. You struggle to operate in the fruit of the Spirit because God is not your primary decision. He's more convenient than he is conviction. You do it when you have time. You do it when you feel good. Have you ever not felt like coming to church? Just me? Let's be real. Don't lie in Jesus' house. Right? Sometimes you don't want to be here. Guess what? You talk to yourself. You know, what did David do? You know, he talked to himself. <laughs> why, why are you downcast, David? Get up. Put your hope in God. Right? Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. TJ, why are you downcast? Get your chunky Greek butt up. Get dressed. We're going to church. Right? We're not led by our emotions and our feelings. Sometimes we're led by our decisions, our commitments, right? You come to the house of God, you do this because again, it's what God's called you to do. You have to be committed. God has to be the center. Don't let other things get in the way. You know, sometimes we, uh, you know, it's like we struggle because we're just, we're not fully committed. We haven't made those decisions. We, had to, uh, we, got, we have a truck in the church, and we have to, to jump it every once in a while because there's a slow drain. And I was trying to jump the truck the other day, and it just it wasn't, it wasn't working because one of the connections kept falling off. You know that, have you ever had to jump a car? You know, it's just you take the power from the one car that works, and you stack it to the other car that's kind of stuck. Well, God is the car that always works, and then he connects to us, and we get stuck. Now, that works great as long as you're connected to the vine and both those, those cables are where they're supposed to be. One of those cables falls off or the connection gets a little wumpy. Guess what? You don't get the charge that you need to get started to do the things that you're supposed to do. The same thing is true in our faith. The habits, the daily things that we do, those decisions give us the power that we need to walk out our faith every day. It can't be so loosey-goosey that there's no connection. Um, they help to add to our faith. I remember a few years ago, I was in my 20s, 
And I started feeling crummy. I didn't know what to do. My eyes started to get blurry. And I thought, this is how TJ checks out, 23. You know, I was getting blurry, don't know what to do. So I go to the doctor and he gave me a bunch of tests. And he said, uh, he told me I was a diabetic. I'm like, I'm like 23, how can I be a diabetic? And I you know, ran in my family, figured all that stuff out. Um, now diabetes, depending on the type that you have, you know, can be controlled with diet, you know, exercise, medication, all these things. Uh, one of the things that the first doctor I ever met that made very clear to me that has shaped my entire journey with diabetes for the last 30 some years is this. He says, if you want to control diabetes, he goes, we focus on all the things that you can't have, the things you want to take away. Most people do. He says, that's not how you, 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 you tackle diabetes. He says, tackling diabetes and having it live with you is, is adding the right things. It's not the things that you take away. It's the things that you add. He says, you've got to learn to, to, to live differently. You know, most of you, when you think of diabetes, you think, well, they can't have that, that chocolate. They can't have that bread. They can't have that, you know, the triple layer sundae. You can in moderation. And you can if you add the right stuff. He said, he told me this, he says, if you want to live long with diabetes, he says, first, he says, you have to get on a serious diet and exercise plan. You've got to exercise three to four days a week. And these are the types of exercises you need that'll suck sugar out of your, your body. These are the things that you can eat. These are the things that you have to eat in moderation. This is the medication we're going to give you to help combat this. I've lived with it for 30 years. I mean, my A1C is phenomenal. He says, if you live with it the right way, you'll live a long and a fruitful life. It'll be fine. If you add the right stuff. He taught me managing what I have is more about adding than taking things away. Now, sometimes, again, when we view our faith, we try to be successful by taking things away. Have you ever been focused on all the things that you do that are crummy and bad? And you spend your entire life trying to take out all those things, hoping that if you take those things out, then just maybe, maybe you'll be okay. Our faith is not about taking all those things away. It's about adding the good things. If you have enough good things in your life from God, the bad stuff doesn't have a place to grow. Do you know that? Part of following God with your mind is building good habits, doing good things so that you can live a life that God blesses. If you do things God's way, you live a life that God blesses. It's not just about taking those things away. It's about adding things. This is what 1 Peter 1, 5 through 8 says. This is just great. It says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Did you see those two words? They'll keep you from being what? ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of two better words that describe the church today than ineffective and unproductive? What makes you ineffective and unproductive as a church? The things that we don't add, right? What do we add? Do you add to your faith goodness? Who adds goodness to your life? Just read the passage. Add to your faith goodness. Who picks up goodness? We do. Do you know that being good is a choice? Being good doesn't magically happen. If I stand in front of the refrigerator and there's a chocolate cake in there, and I'm looking at it and it's looking at me, I mean, it's looking at me hard. You know, I can, I can choose to shut that fridge. 
I can choose to take the cake and throw it in the trash and weep bitterly, <laughs> right? I can make the choice to not eat that or I can just stand there. The more I look at it, the more I want it, the more I eat it. Goodness is a choice. I'm going to be good, right? Knowledge is a choice. Studying God's word is a choice. We don't just study God's word when the lightning bolt of the spirit hits us. He leads us into all truth, but we make a choice to study. I had somebody yesterday who was at the well. I like to read. He said, how many books do you read? I said, I don't know, four or five at a time. Four or five books at a time? Yeah. Why do you, why do you choose to read? Why do you read? He said, one, you know, I'm not a natural reader. I choose to read because I want to deepen my faith. I choose to read because I want to be a better leader for you. I choose to read to live a better, more balanced, fruitful life. It's a choice. It's knowledge. It's what we do. Self-control is a choice. Perseverance is a choice. What's the benefit of being, you know, persevering? Well, then you get to read the benefits of what? Things like. Love, love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. These are things that we add to our faith. When you add those things to your faith, your faith grows. When you add prayer to your faith, your faith grows. When you add the word to your faith, your faith grows. When you listen to, your, to the spirit, your faith grows. When you step out of your comfort zone and you follow and you obey what God asks you to do, your faith grows. This is what it means to dedicate your mind to Christ, your acumen. You make a choice. When you set your mind, your ways to God, you experience peace. Beloved, some of you are struggling to experience peace today because you're not all in. You've got to be all in. This is not the hokey pokey. You put your right toe in, you take your right toe out, you put your right toe in and you shake it. This is not the hokey pokey. You've got to decide to be all in. Romans 8, 6 says this. A mind focused on the flesh is doomed to death, but a mind focused on the spirit will find full life and complete what? Peace. peace. Where's your focus this morning, beloved? Are you lacking peace? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you this morning to dedicate your heart and your mind to him, and you will experience peace. Now, I, I mean, how does it happen, Pastor? I don't know. That's why he calls it peace that passes all understanding. It's a byproduct of the Spirit at work in your life. So we yield, we trust, we dedicate our minds and our heart to him, and God will act, he'll move. If you need peace this morning, beloved, God's here. He's here to jumpstart your faith to those things. But there's something in this for you to do as well. Bow your heads with me. We're just going to take a minute real quick. I know you paused earlier. We're going to pause one more time. I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit this morning. Have a real conversation with him today. Ask him, say, Holy Spirit, will you show me? Is my heart fully dedicated to you? Is my mind fully dedicated to you? Do you sustain my heart, the affections of my heart? Do you sustain my, my mind? Have I dedicated my ways to you, Lord God? And listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. Then in a minute, Ty's gonna come and close. We're gonna have the altars will be open for prayer, but I also want you to have an opportunity to allow God to bring you into alignment so you can experience peace. So listen to the Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or 
follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.